Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify wh- your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. All right, another Bradford Show. There's a lot to look forward to. We're not looking at the past. We're not looking at the chaos of baseball. We're looking at a 60-game baseball season, and that's why we're cranking the Bradford Show back up. And a great guy to talk to about what awaits is Pat Light. Pat Light, former first-round pick of the Red Sox, 2012. Two spots in back of that draft of Kevin Ploiecki, former, uh, current Red Sox catcher, and two spots ahead of Joey Gallo. So there you go, Pat Light. But that's not why we had him on. We didn't get him on because of the draft order. We got him on because he's always great to talk to. He's entertaining. He's insightful. And he's, uh, he's an up-and-coming voice of this market. And uh, so I figured that there's no better person to go back and forth with in terms of what awaits. What are we actually going to see when it comes to the 2020 60-game sprint chaotic cluster bleep of a baseball season? What are the things that we are missing? Like forget about the rules. Forget about all that. What is the thing that we're like, oh, my goodness, like, I didn't even think of that? Well, in this podcast, Pat Light and myself, we break it down for you. So sit back, enjoy, and uh, get ready. Baseball season's here. All right, the last time I talked to Pat Light. Pat Light, can you remember the last time I talked to you on the record? You do On the remember. record? No, I do not remember. I guarantee you, you do not. And first of all, I remember, I think, interviewing you. But I was with other people in uh, Minnesota. Did you? Okay. And so did you pitch in one of your outings? Was it was your outing or maybe it was right after your first outing with the Red Sox? I mean, I didn't pitch in Minnesota with the Red Sox. All I right, well, you in- stood in front of a locker in Minnesota. That's all I know. And, okay, I did the Twins for a while, so. Okay, all right. Maybe you had warmed up. You had warmed up in a game, right? You had warmed up at least one game before you pitched. Oh, that was in Houston. Houston, okay. Yes. All right, you looked nervous. That's what I remember I was. I was terrified. I would have been nervous too. <laughs> Were you terrified just warming up? Uh, honestly, yeah, because I was. I they called me and it was a typical you know minor league call up type situation where you know I'm on a plane or like getting up at three in the morning to go somewhere. Um, and yeah, I flew out to Houston and I was on like no sleep. Um, and yeah, I was out. I mean, I was. I was terrified. And then all of a sudden they called and they called me, they, you know, we, it was Sunday night baseball, which is a great time to come right. into a, my opening, opening, uh, whatever my debut. And, uh, we, they called down and they like got me up and down like four or five times. Really? Uh, yeah. I remember, I remember actually Those Steve, bastards. Yeah. I remember Stephen Wright and actually Dana, the, who's now the pitching coach. Or, you know, he, he, he was, yeah, yeah, he was. Um, but, you know, Dana, they were both, like, really upset about how it was being handled. I mean, as a, as a guy, I mean, I know I'm the young guy on the team, and we were pretty much out of pitches. So that's why I was there to begin with. So, you know, if Heath Ember, who was in the game at the time, um, didn't strike out that last guy, you were uh, right. whatever inning it was, it, I, I was coming in the next batter. So I mean, by the time – by the time you, you warm up for a fourth time, did, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you go from not being nervous to like, you know, come on, let's go? I mean, what, what the hell? I mean, the, the, you're, you're, the main nervousness is while you're sitting there. Um, you're just kind of, you know, just doing things. Once you start getting ready and doing things, the nervousness kind of goes away. 
Yeah. Um, and you, you stop thinking as much and you kind of are just in the moment. Um, now I'm more worried about, you know, my fastball or whatever. I don't know what I was worried about that day. But, you know, you're worried about, you know, maybe fastball location or splitter or something like that rather than, oh, you know, crap, I'm in the big leagues. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, listen, whatever, man. Like I said, I would have been nervous too. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, someone interviewing someone for the first time. I mean, it's like you, you tell these young writers, you say, you got to go up to these guys and you got to be like, you got to, you cannot be nervous. It's like blood in the water. Yeah. They'll know, right? I mean, you, you know when you have the college newspaper kid coming up, right? Well, but, they always, they're always in the middle of the clubhouse and they make eye contact to you about 53 times before they come ask you a question. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You just stand there and I'm just like, I know you're going to come up to me eventually. Can we just get this over with? <laughs> well, well, that's, you know, that's a whole nother ball wax because I've had Travis Shaw was on here and he was talking about, well, he just flat out said, he's like, why do you guys stand around the middle of the clubhouse so much? Like you guys are, you guys are eavesdropping, you know, you're, watching our TVs. And I know, like, I know that's what everybody thinks. And I'm with you. Like, like that, you saw it where there is people, there are writers who they're, they think their thing is, I'm going to stand in the middle of the clubhouse. I'm going to hang out. I like, I'm going to talk to everyone. And then when everyone goes talk to someone, I'm going to go talk to them. But until then it's social hour, you yeah. know? And that, believe me, I don't blame you guys for being mad at that. So I, I mean, I love Travis. I can't, I never got mad at it. I was, but again, I was always still, I never played in the big leagues long enough where like maybe those things would start annoying me. I was always still just, you know, mesmerized by the big league atmosphere. Um, so that, that stuff I thought was Can cool. you imagine, by the way, can you imagine, like you talk about being mesmerized about the big league atmosphere. Can you imagine being called up for the first time now? Like, oh, like, cause, cause the part of the best, uh, part of the best parts about being called up is, hey, you know, I'm I'm cracking over my post game lobster with uh, with JD Martinez here, and now you're being handed box lunches and saying, "Don't get in near anybody. You have to get out of here right now." Can you imagine that? It's 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 again. There's a lot of nuances, and you know it because you've been around the game forever. You know, there's a lot of nuances that people don't talk about that are actually, you know, I mean, yeah, you talk about, oh, well, they're getting paid a lot of money. So who cares? But there are things like you're like it's a kid that's looking forward to certain things, and yeah, you don't get that, you know, cracking open the lobster with JD Martinez. You don't get the, you know, walking out into the into Fenway, or you know, for me it was uh, Houston, and then it was Atlanta. But you, you know, I remember Paul Abbott who pitched in the Big Leagues for a number of years. His number one advice to all minor leaguers when they get called up was don't look up because you don't really? realize how big the stadium is in comparison to the minor league season until you look up and see how many freaking people are there. Um, and of course my first thing I did was look up, but, <laughs> but that's the thing you're going to miss. You're not going to have, like, you're not going to have, you know, 50,000 screaming fans, you know, especially in Boston, you know, I mean, I think it's only 30,000 or so. In, in right. Fenway, that's a so cool experience. And now you're going to walk into an empty stadium. Well, they said, you know, besides the fans, everyone said there's lights. Oh my goodness. There's lights. There's a whole lot more lights in, in major league, which was like, what? what are you talking about? There's lights everywhere. And then you realize, oh, maybe there are more lights, you know, <laughs> there's definitely more lights. And you just feel, when you walk out of a dugout in, the, in, at Fenway park, you just immediately feel like you're the only person on in the, on the field and everyone's looking at you. Really? Like, it's just, it's such a, a unique experience um it's hard to really like grasp um and i don't know if you've ever noticed this but in the bullpen when there's like a replay that the bullpen wants to see you have to go out and like look over the bullpen thing and you look at about ten thousand people just staring straight back at you while you're trying to look at 
It's, yep. Again, there's so many things that, you know. I mean, it's that, all gone, man. It's all like all of that is all of that is out the window. Things that we don't think about. But before we get to other things that we don't, we're not thinking about is that I do want to clarify the last time that I interviewed you. Okay. Maybe really the only time I interviewed you was, um, was at Puerto Rico. You came to Puerto Rico? No, I wish oh. I did. <laughs> but you pitched in Puerto Rico, are you, right? Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And yeah. I remember, so I was always, you know, before Alex Cor became big time and became manager and everything else, I was always communicating with him back and forth. And he's like, you know who looks really good? Pat Light. Right? He had, you had him as manager, right? Yeah, yeah. right? I'm not imagining this. Right? I'm not imagining this. So, and, and so he had given me your number, and, and, uh, and I remember, like, that Pat Light, is a, he's going to break out. You know, he looks really good in Puerto Rico. So somewhere out there, there's a very positive Pat Light story written by me about the, how, what the great strides you have made in Puerto Rico. Right? I, I appreciate that article. Yeah, well, anything to help build the brand. Um, so... Uh, so we were talking, listen, I mean, there's a lot, it's exhausting. All of this has been exhausting, right? The, the labor stuff, the, you know, trying to figure out like what's going to happen before this year, what's going to happen after this year. But let's, let's look at this year. And, you know, I wrote a story talking to Ryan Brazier and he was very direct. And he said, listen, I have to play and I have to play well. And so that's a lot of something that I don't think a lot of people are factoring in. I've used this analogy a bunch of times, like, or not this analogy, but this example. John Lester, who I talked to in April, he said, I have to pitch. I didn't pitch well last year. I'm 36 years old. I'm going to be a free agent. I have to show people I can be good again. And then so there is this, this two-month period where – People are going to be very, I don't want to say desperate, but it's gonna, there's going to be a lot at stake for a lot of guys. And I don't think I'm overstating this. Lives. Like, lives, right? It can go, like, there's a reason why Brock Holt, who is, uh, his wife is due in September, has every right to stay home. But uh, without knowing exactly, I would imagine that the impetus for Brock Holt to be going right now is because he understands for his family, this is a big deal to play well. So the first question I would have, do you think guys like, like if you were in this situation and there's all sort of different levels of it, like what would be going through your mind right now other than I hope that I pass the COVID-19 test? Honestly, as a baseball player, COVID-19 is almost secondary because you're thinking about the career and the thing, you know, and a lot of these guys, 20 plus years of baseball, they're trying to hold on to you know as a young guy if you have less than three years of service time in the big leagues right now you know you're you are constantly fighting for a job mm-hmm. and you can't you don't have the luxury whether you had a you know just had a kid and, you know t- yesterday you don't have the luxury to not play baseball right now you know people will give you a chance next year if you were good and, you know in 2019 but you know there will be guys that will pass you because you didn't play this year and then you talk about the Brock Holtz of the world, who's a, a free agent guy who's going to be a journeyman, who's going to go through all, all bunch of organizations. He has to continue to play. And then you even talk about the, the super veterans of John Lester, who if he doesn't pitch this year, he probably doesn't play again. Uh, you know, he might get latched onto like a Boston or like a spring well, training. Yeah, you might. You're going to get like a, a, I don't want, maybe a minor league contract. I mean, you, I mean, you know, at least like a one-year contract. But if you go out and deal for a couple months, you know, we've said it a million times of like, you make a lot. You can make a lot of money with a short amount of time, right? 
Yeah. So, so you only need to, honestly, especially in this, in this, you know, this climate, you only need a couple, really a couple good outings to show that you can still do it. And now it's guys like John Lesser are going to be picked up as, as veteran guys in the back of the bullpen that can, or back of the, the starting rotation that can help young, like a younger rotation, but he has to be able to pitch this year in order to get that. Yeah. So, so put yourself in this situation, right? You're still playing. Maybe, maybe you can make a comeback. Although you said you went on Twitter, I think recently and, I'm I'm debating right now, according to Twitter. Oh, you're, de- you're debating. <laughs> debating right. that. Well, we're gonna we're gonna try to give you some media money to uh, <laughs> to sway you over. Um, yeah. So you're in this situation, and you you haven't pitched since March. You've been in New Jersey. Um, you've you know you can maybe go to your local high school, whatever you're working out, but you don't have a, a you never had a date like you would in a normal year. This is when spring training starts. And now you have a date, and now they're telling you you have to get ready in three weeks. Um, and not only get ready in three weeks, but as we talked about, you have to be really, really good in three weeks. Because if you have a bad week or two, and you get pushed to the back of the bullpen, <laughs> like, <laughs> see you later. Yep. So put yourself in that situation. Like, what, what, will you be freaking out right now, or you'd be like, okay, um, let's go. Let's go. I mean, yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, I'd be pumped to get, get, back in the, get back into the game. But at the same token, you know, it really, I mean, there's so many different, you know, so many different jobs in baseball that, like, people don't really know that happen. Like, you know, if I'm young and I'm just coming up, like, you know, I'm, I'm stressing out. I need to get, the, you know, I was a guy that was a fringe guy last year. I'm stressing out to get a job. Or, you know, if you're, you know, a veteran closer, obviously, now you, you can kind of, you know, finagle your way through spring training to get ready and things like that. But three weeks is an extremely short period of time to be ready to pitch a big league game. And honestly, it's the, the relievers I don't feel so bad for. You can get ready to pitch more to it. Mm-hmm. The starters, you know, you got Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer going for, you know, for opening day. You know, are they – can you really realistically with the two-month season pitch them for only five innings? No, you and, you, and you also what? So you're gonna have ten or eleven starts, right? Yeah, ten or eleven starts, and 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 you have to say, well, we're gonna ease into this with four or five innings, because it's it's unrealistic, right? I mean, it's yeah. and also the other part about this, and I told Ryan Brazier this, is that it's not desperation and urgency is n- is not conducive to baseball, right? No, <laughs> no. They say yeah. they always tell you we're going to ease into spring training. We're going to ease into the season, right? Yep, always. And yeah, but the thing, especially with the starting pitchers, you see them pitch four or five innings in April, and they start getting closer to big into full full outings in you know May and June. Obviously, June's obviously full swing, but you know these are almost you're almost talking about must wins in the beginning of the season because you have such a short window, and like you're talking about a Red Sox team right now that who's got some talent on their team. If I'm if I'm the Yankees, if I'm those premier teams that are looking to you know go win a World Series here, I'm I'm much more nervous now going into the season than I was with 162 games. Oh because, really? Good, yeah, because the the teams that are not as talented, you, you know, anyone can win on any given day in baseball. That's one of the best things about the sport. You know, you're not really ever outclassed like you might be in basketball or something like that. But in baseball, you know, you you can win a series. You know how many times you. See the Marlins pull out a pull out a series in May sure. against the you know the Nationals, and everyone's wondering how the hell did they pull that off? If you have a short season, this this pushes for you know those teams that are not as deep to actually be able to make a run and if you come out with a World Series ring, possibly. Who was the guy that you played with that you say okay the, the two guys 
one guy that you played with and said, this guy would really thrive in this situation because he was ready to go like this. And once the season went, he took off. And then the other guy who you knew might ultimately get to the point where he wanted, but he was an ease into the season sort of a guy. Oh man, that's tough. And he always felt like, and I'm not going to drop huge names here, but it always felt like uh, Brian Johnson was ready at all times, no matter what. He could throw, he could throw 43 innings in the opening day, and that's just always the type of guy he was. I mean, he's a lefty, you know, 88-91 guy that if I just had 12 different pitches and could, could finagle that stuff. Um, the one guy that I remember always – I don't even know if he's still on a team anymore – that always seemed to have to ease into the season was Stephen Wright. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's oh, not. I, yeah. Yeah, but he always seemed that knuckleball, it seemed like it would take a month before he would get to where he wanted it to be. And I think maybe one year he got off to a ridiculously hot start and people were talking Cy Young for the guy. But right, right. Um, obviously I don't think that panned out. But yeah. uh, you know, those, you know, those guys that were just, you know, he wasn't – we was never seemed like he was there right yeah. in the beginning of the season. Well, um, yeah, it's a good – those are two good ones. Because Brian, because Brian Johnson is a guy who, friend of the Bradfoe show um, – uh, multiple Twin Peaks appearances in Fort Myers. And he w- he's a guy that in that 2018 season was, okay, you want to throw me out there for five innings, throw me out there for one inning, get me up four times, whatever. And, and you know, that's, that's – those are the guys – the guys who aren't as regimented probably are the guys who are going to be like, okay, I can deal with this. The guys who are super regimented, they might struggle. Yes. The super, the, yeah. The, no, the, the people who always have, this is one of the things I left when I left in college, I stopped doing when I got to pro ball and it helped me was I stopped being like, you know, that superstitious where, you know, it, this is, this is what I do on day one. This is what I do here. This is what I do here because you end up getting thrown for a loop. And now all of a sudden you're kind of in your own head about how, oh, well, I didn't get my day two running in, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'm not quite ready for the, my day three now or, and then, then the snowball continues. And you have those super regimented guys in baseball, a lot of them, um, and they're going to get thrown for a loop here. Uh, everyone is. And yeah. you, I think you're right. I think they're gonna be, they, some of these guys will definitely struggle. More but you said struggle. it yourself. I think relief pitchers are going to be okay. Um, even closers. Closers who are the most regimented. It's not like – you know, I was thinking about this because Brandon Workman, he's the closer. He's going to be um, a free agent after this year. But it, it's not like, like – it's, he's still going to go out and he's going to pitch. And if he pitches well, he's going to get closer money. Like, yeah. I don't think – like, whereas a Jackie Bradley, it could be all over the place. I mean, this yes. is a guy, the first two months of the last two seasons, he's hit under 200. And then he's, he's taken off. I mean, this, he could get on one of these Jackie Bradley hot streaks and make himself a bunch of money. Yes. So, I mean, that, it is, all, these guys are all over the place. I'll give you another one. Um, because you talk about easing into the season, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, was it last year? Two thousand, two thousand. Yeah, last year. Yes, last year. So they start in Seattle. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, who finished with nineteen wins, like great year, breakout year. I think he was. He wasn't good his first three outings. Now think about that. You aren't good in your first three outings. Now, number one, you only have eight left. Number two, you are panicking. And you know as well as I do, like, I don't have to be, like, the mental, mental performance coach to say, if you're panicking, if that's in your head, like, 
it's not going to have the same results as if you know that you have 28 more starts. Yep. Yeah, and then, then those teams that are trying to make playoffs, you can see guys with three or four starts all of a sudden not be getting the ball much anymore because right. they don't have time to let them work in. That's what the, you know, the Jackie Bradleys who get off those, you know, have our big streak guys. You know, those are the guys that, that love the 162-game season because they know they'll eventually even out throughout the season and usually get to where their average typically is. Same with starters. You know, you get 25 starts in a year, 30 starts in a year. You know, even a few rough ones, it's not the end of the world. Um, but you don't have that luxury this year. It's, it's, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this whole year shakes out, especially as a managerial position, how you, how you manage the taxi squad, a 60-man roster or something like that. I, it's going to be curious to see how everyone does that. Did you, uh, did you, ever, did you ever remember pitching desperate? Like, you know, like yes. obviously you want to impress, but do you ever remember pitching desperate? Yeah, at the end of my career when I couldn't throw a strike anymore. Really? I, I wasn't obviously the same thing. I wasn't fighting for, like, you know, a new contract or anything like that. But I, I remember, you know, when I left Pittsburgh and went over to the, the Mariners, I just couldn't – I couldn't find the strike zone anymore. And it, it turned from, you know, I would miss, like, this much to now because I started becoming desperate, I was missing by this much and this much and this much. And then I remember about a week and a half before they released me, I was just sitting there waiting for them to release me. I knew it went from a manageable problem where we're just trying to fix some things. I'm still pitching well to this guy. This guy can't find the strike zone ever again. And, you know, so, you know, one of the things to take away from this conversation, as I'm thinking, mental performance coaches are going to get a workout, right? In the next two months. Uh, Yes. And that's been a big, that's become a big thing. I mean, remember, you know, over the years, right? I mean, you must have been peppered with those guys. Yeah, I had, you know, Scott, uh, I, I was a Boris client. So Scott has his own, his own people that do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't trust teams for, at all, as you would imagine with Scott. <laughs> um, so we had our own guys we talked to. But, yeah, I was, talking, I was talking to a guy from high A throughout the rest of my career. Really? Uh, yeah. So, I, you know, they had, a guy, they had a guy with Scott. And I love the guy. He was awesome. Was so. his name Scott Boris? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, Scott doesn't have that kind of time. That guy's busy. Like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. He likes to chime in a lot, so. I was like the China a lot. Yeah, so those guys are going to get a workout this year. Um, and so the other part about it is injuries. You know, yeah. des- the desperation and urgency leads to injuries where you're like, you know, we talk about the three weeks of amping up, whether the reliever or starter or, or even playing. I remember the WBC, um, which I always thought, God bless them for – it's always a, a good event when it's happening. Like, people get all jacked up. Isn't this great? I'm like, no, man, it's not great. Everyone gets hurt, right? And so yeah. so the, what I also remember is that they tried carting these guys out on artificial turf fields, like, in early March, in mid-March. I mean, I'm talking about position players standing yep. around in cleats in nine, for nine innings. Now, we're not digging ditches, but, like, it, this, like Pedroia, I remember, hurt an oblique. Euclid hurt something. You know, so it's the same sort of thing. Like, you're going to see guys, a lot more guys get hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to see – I think, again, I'm most nervous now about starting pitchers. Really? Because, um, yeah, because, again, I, as a, if I'm a manager, you know, you can put, you're, you, again, you know the game. If you're a manager right now and you're a fringe playoff team or you're a – I know, you know, the low-end playoff teams, you know, you're talking about the Marlins who have no chance. Anything, I mean, those starters would be fine. But you're talking about – these teams are fighting for playoff spots 
and then things like we have a playoff. But then you're fighting for these spots, you know, again, you know, on opening day or we're talking a week in, two weeks in, where you're supposed to be going five, six, you know, 70, 80 pitches, not 100. And Garrett Cole's out there. And you need this win right now because you're trying to, you know, extend that to a two-game lead in the division and stuff like that, try to break away. Now, all of a sudden, you push him. And is he ready for that? Is he not ready for that? You know, I, I don't think, you know, Garrett's, you know, pro. I think he'll be fine. But, you know, you have these other guys that will push it and say they're fine when maybe they're not ready for it. And I think you could see some guys get hurt when they could have been avoidable in a full season. Yeah, and then you talk about, you know, the, the ramifications. It comes back to our original conversation, the ramifications of these two months. And this isn't yeah. – this is nuts. I mean, this is – I'm looking forward to it, but I also – it comes with a huge, huge warning label. Like, and it doesn't – and part of that warning label, we're not even including the, the coronavirus stuff. So I know. It's, it, I'm, I'm sitting over here, and I tweet constantly, as you know, and I'm t- I talk about everything under the sun about baseball, and I, I don't think I've ever said one thing about the coronavirus, which is, like, the biggest thing going yeah, right now. Yeah, but it's good. It, like, People yeah. don't want to hear about the coronavirus. <laughs> no, I honestly don't want to talk about it. I'm over it. Yeah, but no, and they yeah. want to move on until they tell us we can't move on anymore. When's the yeah. first time that you threw a hundred? First time I threw a hundred was in High A in Salem, Virginia. Uh, I um, I uh, I was I was first inning. I forget. Uh, it was I don't. It was against the Kansas City Royals High A team. I I don't remember who they what where they are in that league, but. Um, yeah, first inning through a hundred, uh, I was like a O2 fastball, which I was known to like to throw really hard on those pitches. Mm-hmm. And I went into the dugout and my Cody Kukuk, do you remember that name? <laughs> yeah, I think so. so yeah. Cody if, I know, if I don't, I do now. Yeah, yeah. Who later <laughs> ended up in jail. Unfortunately, he was a good friend. I liked him. Uh, yeah. I don't know what happened, but, uh, he, uh, he like was in the stands, you know, in the stands, they do the radar gun yeah. players. Yeah. He like looked into me, get my attention. It was just like, Oh, really? no <laughs> I didn't care what happened the rest of the outing I was made I was like I've done one of my goals my lifetime goals so it was fun uh, you, are you a hoop were you a hoop player basketball player I basketball in high school so when so I imagine you could dunk you could yes dunk. so when was the first time you dunked uh in a game or just um, in general yeah well yeah in a game in a, in a game is more fun obviously um I was a I was a junior and I, I, I want to say the team I was playing was Milltown South, which is obviously means nothing to you because you're not from the area. But you dunked uh, over Mike Trout, right? It's all. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish. But uh, yeah, got a got a fast break and and just yeah, threw down. You know your traditional. Which was a better feeling? Throwing a hundred, throw, throwing a hundred, or dunking in a game? It's a great uh, throwing throwing a hundred was a better really. Feeling. Yeah, I mean, that was like a life – I mean, obviously I wanted to dunk, and there was more fans that were excited about my dunk than they were about my 100 miles an hour. But 100 miles was like a lifelong dream of mine. So uh, that Matt, was that listen, was – Matt Barnes is still chasing it. Like He still hasn't done it. I don't think so. Like, I, I've talked to him. He's like, that's my goal, unless, like, I'm missing something. Um, I, know, I, know. I remember him talking to him. I remember him being – when I was in the big leagues with him, he was like 98. So yeah. I was just assuming he's going to hit it. Right, right there. Sorry, Matt. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, I, thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it. It's, um, it's uh, always a good time.